Good morning. Okay. I'm a little uh, nervous this morning. I want to thank Pastor Jeremy for the privilege of filling in for him this morning and uh, thank Pastor Matt for being gone this morning so I could have this opportunity. It's a, it's a joy and a pleasure for me. Uh, I'm a little not quite sure how to feel this morning. My uh, wife got a call this morning and we're about to have our first great-grandchild. So Jack and Kaylee, we want to wish you both uh, the best. And we, uh, we just trust that the Lord is going to work everything out uh, for His glory. So this morning, if you would, please open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to start there. This morning, uh, this being a Thanksgiving holiday, I want to um, have all of you kind of focus in a little bit on, on us as individuals. What did we accomplish? What did we do? How did we show thanksgiving and gratitude to the Lord for what he has blessed us with? You know, this, this country is such a, a blessed country. I don't, I don't, we probably th- throw more stuff away and, and dispose of more food than any other nation in the world by far. And yet we don't seem to, to pay much attention to it um, you know, uh, Martin Luther once said the, the, the greatest gift of all that, that we uh, ignore and don't look, uh, uh, don't look towards as uh, being grateful most of the time is the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. We seem to take that for granted at times, don't we? I know I do. And Martin Luther one time said that the greater God's gifts and works, the less they are regarded. A hungry man is more thankful for a morsel than a rich man for his overflowing table. You know, so much, so many of us have been blessed in so many ways over so many years that we get somewhat immune, I think, or, or just kind of lackadaisical towards saying thank you. And our message this morning out of Luke is where Jesus healed the ten lepers and only one came back to thank the Lord, and, and he was a Samaritan. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I want to share with you a, a little story first. When a number of years ago, probably 18, maybe 20 years ago, right after, shortly after they opened the, uh, uh, the visas in going into Russia, I was privileged to go on a mission trip. I was invited over by a, uh, a three-star general that had gotten saved as a result of being shot down in Afghanistan. And um, he cried out on his way down in a helicopter, if there's a God that these kids are talking about, and you save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And he indeed was the only one in that helicopter that was saved. The Pentagon named him General War, and uh, they had a million-dollar bounty on his head. He was in charge of all of the troops in Afghanistan. But anyway, he invited uh, uh, several of us to go over there. He was a, a minister by that, by that time. And we went over and we ministered to uh, uh, many different people. We took 5,000 Bibles we gave away, little New Testament, uh, small New Testament Bibles in, in, uh, in Russian. And we, we gave those away in the streets and, and wherever we went and shared the good news. 
and I remember one time in particular, speaking of gratitude, one time in particular we went into a nursing home, and it was um, 20, 25 people, extremely elderly, or maybe the Russian people just get real hard looking, but they all looked to be 80, 85, and uh, they had one Bible, and it was blown up to about that high, you know, for being the pages being torn out and passed around that they read. Because for 75 years, the Word of God was not allowed in Russia. And so when we pass these small individual Bibles out to these folks, they were so grateful. And I'll never forget the, the, uh, the, the old men grabbing my hand and, and kissing them because I had brought the, the good news. The first Bible they'd had in 75 years. What a humbling, humbling experience. And the old ladies, as frail as they were, to just hang on to your neck and not want to let go. They were just so full of thankfulness and gratitude that we had brought the, the words of life. Now, for 75 years, they were, they were told there was no God, and they were not allowed to worship. Yet here they were. They, they had the only one Bible that they had known most of their, their lives while they were in that in that nursing home, and they tore the pages out and passed it around so they could individually read. And we brought them the word of life. I know what thankfulness is. I know what gratitude looks like. I've seen it and have experienced it firsthand. I've been humiliated by how ungrateful I am at times. So let's, uh, let's read God's word this morning. Luke 17. Verse 11, see if I can get this. You know, I can't see that small print here this morning. I'm going to turn around and look. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And he lifted up their, and they lifted up their voices, saying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." When he saw them, he said to them, "Go and show yourselves to the priests." And as they went, they were cleansed. When one of them, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? When no one was found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And that's the verse I want to, verse 11 is the word I want to key off of this morning and start with. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now at the time of Jesus' death, he had been ministering for about three years. He was coming up on his approaching death. And he was on his way to Jerusalem. And he had made several trips from Galilee back to, uh, to uh, Jerusalem and back and forth. And he was on his last trip. And the scripture said he was headed along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now I don't think it's all that important to 
particularly to find exactly where that was on a map so much as it is to for us to realize that he is drawing the the author here is drawing attention to the fact that he was in an area where Jews ordinarily didn't go again now this was at least the third time that Jesus had been in that area uh, the first time is remember the story about the Samaritan the good Samaritan Jesus was coming down from the mountain and he he mentions that uh, there was a good Samaritan that had ministered to um, that was being ministered to uh, after all the Jews and the hierarchy had passed by him he was hurting and then there was another time where see because Samaritans were considered half-breeds the the Jews had intermarried and intermingled so much and, and their faith and religion got real distorted that they were just they were outcasts because of their faith and their inability, their lack of uh, ability to worship the right God in the mind of a, a pure Jew. And then uh, we recall several chapters back, if you have been reading in Luke at all, uh, there was a woman at the well, a Samaritan, an adulterous woman, that Jesus told everything about her life and how that she had gone and as a result of her uh, being told by uh, Jesus that she indeed was uh, had multiple husbands. Uh, she went and told the whole village that they might come and see this Jesus, this, this Messiah she believed that he was. And then there was another time down in there in the border where uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the Jews and the Gentiles just could not get along. They could not get along. And there was constant fighting and bickering. And Jesus went down there. This is the third time in, that we know of, uh, in, at least in Luke, that Jesus has traveled into this area. And so the dividing lines between the two peoples are what I want you to focus in on some, more so than the I area to be able to identify the area. The people uh, themselves and how they're divided is really should be our focus this morning. Verse 12 says, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a, a distance. Now, leprosy is one of those pictures of sin in Scripture. Jesus, the, excuse me, the, the Old Testament focuses a great deal on leprosy and how to get rid of it, how to keep it out of the camp. The, an, over, an, an overabundance of attention, I believe, at times, or it appears to be, was focused in on this thing called leprosy. And I think it's a great picture of sin in our lives and how much the Lord despises sin in our life and how destructive and harmful it can be. I'm sure you know what it is physically. It's a, it's a disease of, of primarily of the body. It's a neurotic disease. It causes the nerve endings to go dead. Uh, you don't, you know, there's blind people don't normally die of blindness and and, and deaf people don't die of being deaf. Most of the time, people with leprosy don't die of leprosy. They die of the effects of leprosy. They, their extremities go numb, and they, they'll do things like uh, uh, they'll be chopping up vegetables, and they'll chop a finger off and not even know it. Uh, they'll fall asleep near a fire, and, and their food will burn off before they're even aware of it. And, and they don't stand a chance against things like frostbite. So the, it's the external things that happen to them more so than the leprosy. And it's the result of sin 
that causes problems in our life, problems that causes death in our lives, little by little by little. We become immune to it, don't we? Just like the leper, he becomes immune to the disease and the effects of the disease, the eating of the skin and the numbness of the extremities. As, as he becomes numb to it, so it is with sin. We oftentimes become numb to sin in our lives to the point where we end up doing and saying uh, some of the, the most God-awful things and we're able to justify it. We're able to look past it because we have grown numb to the way things really ought to be. Sin separates us from God, and that's the important part this morning. So the only thing we can do is, much like the lepers, they can stand off. You know, they were told they were, they were outcasts from society. They had to be set off to their own little village. An individual was diagnosed with leprosy in the, the Old and the New Testament, and they went to the priest for the diagnosis. It was kind of a medical uh, thing that the priest did as well. And they were eliminated from their family. They could have no contact with their family, immediate or otherwise. They were expelled from their jobs. They could not work anymore. And they were lessened to a life of begging. And they would go out into the edge of the community. And they were set aside and they had to yell, unclean, unclean. Every time a Gentile or every time someone approached, Jew or Gentile, their job was to notify the person coming that there indeed was a problem. I wonder how often many of us would yell, unclean, unclean, when we become aware of our sin. We often don't. But what we do is the same thing that the lepers here did. They went in verse 13, they lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Isn't that what we do oftentimes? When we get caught in our own sin, when we become aware of the, the terrible things that we say and do and think, and we cry out finally for mercy, we say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I can't continue this. I can't do this anymore. We know our only relief is to call upon a merciful God. And they knew this very well. If you're reading in, in your book of Luke, chapter 17, turn to verse uh, or chapter 18, verse 13. And I think it's interesting here that we have a, a here we have a tax collector. Now the Jews hated lepers, but I think they hated tax collectors even more. Now the tax collectors were those who had they cheated their own people and they were they worked for the Roman Empire. But look here in Luke 18 verse 13. See what the tax collector, aware of his own sin, says this. He stood at a distance and said, "God have mercy on me." a sinner. Now I think these two stories are intentional, an intentional parallel that Luke wrote. The besides lepers standing at a distance calling for God, asking for pity, and the tax collector asking for, asking for pity. And that's the way it is for us too. As sinners, we need to call upon God. But so oftentimes we depend upon our own good works. We think we're doing the right thing. We're much like the tax collectors. 
We need to be more like the lepers, don't we? They knew what their condition was. The tax collector oftentimes did not know what his condition was. So getting back to Luke 17, verse 14 says, When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show themselves yourselves to the priests. Notice he doesn't say you're healed. Notice he doesn't say go to the priests and have them heal you. He doesn't promise them anything. He just tells them to go. So Christ is basically saying you're not clean, but go anyway and show yourselves to a priest. He won't pronounce them clean. I can, I can hear the lepers. What's up with this guy? He won't pronounce us clean? Doesn't he know that if we go to the priest, they're not going to pronounce us clean? We know we're not clean. Yet he's telling us to go. But I don't think they stood and argued very long. The scripture tells us they went. Verse 14b says, And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, as they were going, they received this healing. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the joy? I know in my own life when there's, there's sin that I call upon for, for help and I cry out to the Lord, I know that when I get that assuredness from Him that it's okay, that He loves me, that He's not condemning me, that He's not requiring me to do anything but to love Him back, I know at that moment there's a great joy in my life. Whew, thank you. We serve a mighty God, don't we? No matter what we do, no matter what we think, no matter what we say, His love for us never changes. What a mighty loving God. You know, the, uh, I can't imagine the joy they felt. Their sin, so to speak, I'm equating their leprosy with sin, but their leprosy kept them from hugging their wives, from enjoying family life, from participating in their, their occupation, from living in their village. And it put them in a, a group of people who were strangers to them. Let's get to the heart of the message Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Just a, a little hint, just reminded me that when I was going through this, studying this, that 10% of the people statistically in ministry are, are going to give you praise, are going to give you help, are going to lift you up and encourage you. And if you depend upon those 10% of the people for your joy, you're going to be real, real disappointed. And I believe that that's why many people in ministry get burnout, because they're looking at people and their response rather than looking at God and His response. An old man told me early on in my ministry, he said, Don, I want to tell you something. There's about 20% of the people in this any congregation they're going to love you to tears they don't care what you do you could just get up there and vomit all over yourself and they're going to love you they just something about you they connect with 
And then there's 20% of the people that it doesn't matter if you give them $1,000 bills at the door, they can't stand your guts. You look like an ex-husband or an ex-wife or mother-in-law or a nasty neighbor or some old guy that just, you know, and they're not going to like you no matter what you do. He said there's 60% of the people in the middle that don't care one way or the other. It's not about you as far as they're concerned. That's who you need to minister to. Now, go forth and minister to those people in the middle. You'll never get the praise because you're not supposed to get man's praise. You only get praise from the Father. And you'll never please those people because Jesus didn't trust them either. He knew their hearts. Minister in the middle. And I think that's what it's been good, uh, good counsel for me over the years to keep that in mind. Because it can get disappointing at times when you see the, you know, there's so much work to do. And so few people to do it. Now the other side of that coin is just the same as the 10% that might come back and praise you. We have a responsibility to praise others, don't we? So we need to be those, that type of a person that goes forth and lifts up and encourages and praises other people. Luke 16 explains more. Because this guy went back and he was just so excited beside himself, this, this leper. He went back and he praised God with a loud voice. And verse 16 says, And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now I don't think this was any kind of a, just a, well, thanks, man. You know, that was cool. Appreciate it. I think this was a, a loud, I don't cool. I want everybody. It's not that I don't care who here. I want everybody to hear what this man has done for me. And that's so unlike us, isn't it? When we receive a blessing from God, we oftentimes, thank you, Lord, appreciate it. Instead of just being so loud and boisterous about, thank you, Jesus, look what you've done. Hey, Norma, look at what this man has done for me. He has given us this. Look what Jesus has done in our life. And I think that's the excitement, the kind of excitement that we need to, to put forth in, in parallel this verse here, if you will. And this guy was a Samaritan, the scripture says. <laughs> He'd been despised because he was Samaritan. He'd been set aside, kicked out of, the, out of his village because he was Samaritan, because he had leprosy. And here he is. Thank God. This reminds me of an account also in the book of Luke in chapter 7. It's a woman who her many sins were forgiven and she showed love to him by washing his feet and with her tears and anointing his feet with a sweet oil. Chapter 7, verse 47 says, She loves so much because she has been forgiven much. Those who are forgiven only a little love only a little. You ever been around people that have been through the worst of it and yet had a great attitude? <laughs> That's because they're kind of impervious. What are you going to do to me? I've already been through hell and back. For a great number of years, I've been, up until recently, I've been actively involved in ministering to alcoholics and addicts and people in recovery. 
having overcome that myself in 1986. I'm extremely familiar with being on the downside of life, if you will. I know what it feels like to be a leper. I know what it feels like to be eliminated from your family, to be homeless, to be hungry, to be dirty, have no place to take a shower and call home, hang a hat to be on the outskirts of town, living in a three-walled shack with no electricity and just a hose bib for running water. So I know what it's like to be somewhat like a leper, to be ostracized by everybody, and then to have a condition of drunkenness, not leprosy, but drunkenness. You see the parallel? I've often wondered why this messages I know why this message has had so much meaning to me to me personally over the years I preached a similar message to this 50 times at various retreats all over the country and mostly to addicts and alcoholics and their response is much the same as yours they are so grateful that God has blessed them with a a life of sobriety, a new life, a life where they can go back and hug their family, a life where they can become employable again, a life where they can become part of society. And I wonder how many of us that have not had those some of those experiences can even understand the feeling of gratitude that some of us who have been desperate feel. I am just so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You have brought us along, us, all of us, to a point in our lives where we're sitting in your presence this morning, hearing your word, learning more about you, loving you, trying desperately to have the Holy Spirit open our hearts and touch us individually as he so often does and to lift us up and encourage us and say, wow, not I'm sure glad I'm not like that one, but wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have healed me. <coughs> Just a little glimpse into how much we can be forgiven. Verse 17 says, we're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, Jesus already knew that. He knew where the other nine were. But he asked this question. I think he asked this question for the benefit of his disciples as much as he did for anybody else. His focus shouldn't be so much on, our focus shouldn't be so much on the other nine, but it is, isn't it? I'd like to think at times that if I was one of those nine that boy I'd have run back and I'd have thrown myself in I'd have pled to you know pledged to serve him all the days of my life but the truth is I know better I'd have been like them questioning whether it was really a healing of Jesus or if maybe the priest did it or maybe it was just supposed to happen anyway or we soon forget about the healer and we get focusing in on all the blessings that we got as a result of the healing. 
I think I'm probably more like those one of those nine than this guy. But I know where the other nine were. They were obeying Christ. He told them what to do. He said, go to the priest and show him that you have been healed. Just go to the priest. They were being obedient to Jesus. Isn't that what many of us do? We're so focused in on what Jesus tells us. You know, you, you go to church. You, you work with the homeless. You do all these wonderful things. You have Bible studies. You have prayer meetings. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Yeah, but there's something else he is telling us to do first. He's telling us to look to him and to thank him. I think the Lord is telling us that we need to be thankful before we go forth and do all of these things that we're called to do because we can only do them out of a spirit of gratitude. Anything done in our own, anything that we do on our own out of our own flesh counts for nothing. Only those things done in the spirit count for something. Only those things done by the power of the Holy Spirit and that can only have the Holy Spirit will, will dwell us, but we can only become aware of that indwelling of the Spirit when we spend time with the Lord. And we go back and we thank Him and we praise Him. You know, that Samaritan didn't, uh, he was obedient, he was doing what God told him to do, but he didn't have a temple to go to, did he? He couldn't go into the temple to show the priest that he'd been healed. Because he wasn't a Jew. So he really had no other place to go to. He could have gone to the local priest, because the Samaritans had priests, and received a healing from him. But it may or may not have been recognized by the Jews, because he was a Samaritan. All he knew is that Christ told him to go, and that he was healed, and he was so excited, so extremely excited, he was shouting to the world that, he was healed, and he was headed back to the one who did it. Now, I think this is a picture of real life, isn't it? First, it's a picture of the grace of God. This is a cure, a cure by wholesale. A whole hospital got cured, ten at a time. It's a miracle. And secondly, it's a... It's a display of prevalent ingratitude. People that weren't aware that they should be grateful enough to turn around and thank the healer. And finally, it's a picture of unexpected grace. How God displayed his grace unexpectedly to this one Samaritan. Two verses tell us something very interesting about Jesus. If we thank him, these two verses do, if we thank him for our blessings we receive from him, we need to get, uh, Jesus notices, let me, Jesus notices when we're grateful and when we're ingrateful or ungrateful. Now, how about you? As I studied through this passage, I couldn't be helped but almost being angry at these ten lepers. And then it struck me that I am the one 
that's ungrateful. I am the one that takes for granted the blessings of the Lord. That I need not focus in on them, that I need focus in on me. And I don't even need to focus in on me. I need to focus in on the Lord. And we must cultivate, I must cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Giving thanks in everything, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. That's the highest duty of a believer, is to focus in on that gratitude that I, in everything, in everything that we have, ingratitude on my part is leprosy of the soul. When I get ungrateful, I'm, I'm leprous again. It destroys my happiness. It eats away on the inside. When you're not grateful, it, it paralyzes our ability to be compassionate, our ability to praise or to lift up. When we're ungrateful, we just seem to get in that, that mode where we just, we're numb to all the blessings of God. We need to reach out and make that, that, that extra attempt to show our gratitude and our thanksgiving. In verse 19, Luke shares an incredible truth with us. He says, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus made him well physically, and, and, and he's declared him well. He's going to make him well spiritually here, as we're going to see. Now, this is a statement that I believe that the priest would make, almost an identical statement. Your faith has made you well. You are well. The priest would just simply declare the person well. But let's look at the scripture again. I want to back up to verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed. Now let's stop there. That word healed is the same word in the uh, Hebrew for cure. It's a medical term. It's kind of like a, a broken bone gets cured. It cures itself. Go to verse 17. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Now that's a different word than cured, that's a word that the cleansed is a word like uh, it's, it's a catheter, it's cath, uh, catharizo. It's like when a, a surgeon puts a catheter in, in your heart, in your artery. He makes it possible for you to be healed. So one is an actual healing, the other one makes it possible to be healed. Great things, both kind of medical terms, if you will. And verse 19 says, Jesus says to this very thankful man, this very thankful man, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now that's a different word. That's not a medical word. That's like, um, it's, it's sozo. Sozo. The Greek used it for people who escape dangerous situations, like when you're when a shipwreck, you're sozo, you're saved. And Matthew, in his gospel, started the Christmas story. The angel told uh, Joseph to name the child Jesus because he would sozo people from their sins. He would save people from their sins. So when he says, 
Go in verse 19, he says, this very thankful man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. He's saying you are saved. So not a, talk about unmerited grace. So the other nine may have fully well gotten healed and probably did. We don't know. But this one got saved. The Samaritan got saved. Kind of an unmerited display of gratitude on the Lord's part, isn't it? Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes in Romans what would happen to a person who publicly professes Jesus as Lord and Christ. And he uses the same word, the sozo. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, sozo. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved, sozo. This man, by his worship, Jesus is telling us, understands gratitude and thanksgiving. My question to us is, do we understand the blessings we receive? You and I were lepers, and Jesus saved us. He's healed us. He's made us whole. We believe in him for everlasting life. He saved us. Now we're told to go forth and do the service. Do the works of the Lord. Not in our own strength but in his. We do these things for everybody, whether they're Samaritans or whether they're Jews, whether they're Gentile, whether they're black or white or Hispanic, whether they're homeless or whether they're rich. We do these things in his name. We love him. We serve him by worshiping him, by sitting at his feet, by resting in him. Not by doing these things, but by resting in him. You know, resting in Christ is not passive. I found it to be fairly active. When I'm resting in him, I'm trusting in him. I'm not trusting in myself. You ever notice how you get burnt out when you do things and you realize that maybe you're being a little bit selfish and not even aware of it? And we become selfish and burnt out because we recognize that it's in our own strength that we're doing something. I've never seen anybody in ministry, genuine ministry, get burnt out if they're focused in on the Lord because he always provides everything that we need and when we need it. So this holiday season, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, this entire season, it's going to be a very busy time for many of us. I'm going to make this suggestion not only to you, but for myself as well. No, I won't want to hear this. Do less. I'm always wanting to do more. And she's always wanted me to do less. So you didn't hear that, did you? Do less. Trust in Him more. Rest in Him. Put aside all the things that you think that you should do and have to do 
and just attempt to sit at his feet, wherever that might be, and rest in him. Trust him. Thank him. Thank him that we're not lepers anymore. Be grateful for what we have. I'm abundantly grateful. Most every day I am really aware of where I've come from and what God has done for me. I try real hard not to get the poor me's because I can only imagine the Lord laughing at me after all that he has done for me. I have no reason whatsoever to crab at anything that I have or don't have in my life. I have, I have no reason to do anything but to be full of joy. So thank him today. Thank him this, this holiday season. Thank him every day for making you whole. I believe that's all he wants. He wants the same thing from us that he got from the leper. He just wants him to come back and sit at his feet and thank him and praise him. And he says, then, go. Go on your way. You're saved. Now, do what I've made you to do. The tenth leper, he just, uh, <laughs> that's just what we want to be, isn't it? We want to be like that tenth leper. Just forget about your checklist, your to-do list, and come back to Jesus. Fall at his feet and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we close up your word, we thank you for all the blessings that we have. I mean, we genuinely shout, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. You have blessed us with everything. Even the things that we don't understand, that we're uncomfortable with, that we don't want to do. Father, allow us to step out in faith and do what we know you've asked us to do, whether we understand it or not. And we trust you, Father, that you know all things, that it will indeed work out for your good and your glory. And we truly will be blessed as a result of stepping out in faith. Father, I pray for healing this morning for those who have yet to know your son, Jesus. I pray that they would have a sozo moment, that they would call upon your son for salvation, that they would rejoice that you have touched them, drawn them near, and that they would sit and rest like the rest of us, Rest in you, Father, waiting for your instructions, waiting for your blessings. Father, we thank you so much for this church, this body of believers. I thank you for all that have come this morning. Father, we are just beside ourselves with gratitude. Help us to understand how much you really have done and allow us to rejoice. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.